This is Radio Ukraine International with the weekly program Ukraine Global, prepared by Viktoria Krukova, presented by Vera Kravchenko and produced by Irina Samsonova. This edition of Ukraine Global is about the achievements in and prospects for Ukrainian grain export talks and, more broadly, the impact of the war in Ukraine on global trade. On October 29th, Russia announced it had quit the grain deal brokered by the United Nations and Turkey in July to allow Ukraine to export its grain via the Black Sea. Moscow presented its move as a response to an alleged attack by Ukraine on the Russian fleet around Sevastopol city. Despite Russia's warnings, a group of ships loaded with grain nonetheless exited through the safe corridor, exporting grain that had been loaded in Ukrainian ports. Shortly thereafter, Russia made a U-turn and announced it would return to the agreement after negotiations with Turkey. Moscow cited, quote-unquote, written guarantees from Ukraine that Kyiv would not use this corridor for military purposes or attacks against Russia. This brief spat over the deal, which to that point had worked for all parties, left a mixed impression. On the one hand, Russia's actions underscored that the agreement was vulnerable and weak, and made clear Moscow's readiness to abandon it at any moment it saw fit. On the other hand, Turkey's intervention, which secured the continuation of the deal and convinced the Kremlin to rejoin it, illustrated the significant influence Ankara wields in the Black Sea, both as a key interlocutor between parties and as a counteracting player to Russia. Russia's move was inevitable. From the very beginning, Moscow has seen the grain deal as affording its leverage over Ukraine and the West. Grain exports are one of the few sources of hard currency income for the Ukrainian economy. What is more, being a security guarantor of the agreement allows Russia to raise the stakes with minimal effort every time it wants to pressure the West by destabilizing world food prices, which in turn has an impact on inflation worldwide. Indeed, Russia's brief suspension of its participation in the grain deal caused a spike in wheat prices across the globe. Still, this diplomatic incident raises the question of whether the grain deal has been a success or a failure. Ilya Kusa, an international expert at the Kyiv-based Institute for the Future, says that the answer depends on what one views as the initial primary goal. Radio Ukraine's Viktoria Krukova spoke with Volodymyr Dubovik, an international expert who is sure that Russians, who are doing everything to show their alleged interest in the negotiations, would continue their strategy. Still, they can't cancel the deal. Ukraine has made a huge progress in its road towards EU membership. It is partly because of the war, and the war has accelerated the recognition of the Ukrainian progress in terms of internal reforms, in terms of its determination through the years of uh, Russian aggression that started in 2014. And over these years, the progress that has been made has been taken notice of and has been recognized after the new invasion of Russia into, into Ukraine on, uh, in February 2022. The decision that the EU has taken and has renewed uh, in the commitment to take EU- Ukraine on board of, uh, of the European project, that is remarkable, not just from the point of view of Ukraine, but from the perspective of the European integration process itself. 
never before such a step has been taken in invoked and inspired and decided because of purely political and security reasoning. And that is something new, not just for Ukraine, which is super important for Ukraine, but it is super equally super important for the rest of the EU, because the EU with this decision is also transforming itself slowly, but it is going into a direction that makes it a foreign policy actor that it never has been before. Said Volodymyr Dubovik. The most obvious goal is food security. Russia's invasion of Ukraine caused a surge in global food prices, dealing a heavy blow to countries already at risk of food insecurity. Ukraine has been one of the world's largest exporters of grain, contributing 42% of the global share of sunflower oil, 16% of corn and almost 10% of wheat. Not only are Ukraine's exports essential for the stability of world markets, but Ukraine's grain exports have also contributed greatly to the World Food Programme's humanitarian stocks. Shipped regularly to such war-ridden countries as Yemen, Ethiopia, Somalia and South Sudan. In that context, the July agreement between Russia and Ukraine, allowing grain and fertilizers to return to the market, probably averted a humanitarian catastrophe and economic meltdown. Since the signing of the deal, around 9.5 million tons of grain products have left Ukraine by sea. More than 100 ships have sailed from Ukraine, with 47% of the grain cargoes going to Turkey and Asian countries, 36% to the EU and 17% to Africa. Immediately after the agreement went into effect, food prices fell by 7.9% since March 2022. After hitting an all-time high immediately after Russia's invasion in February, world wheat prices dropped by 14.5% and cereal prices dropped by 11.5%. Prices for those grains are still higher than they were in 2021, but the deal certainly eased pressure on the market. So, in terms of stabilizing markets, the deal has proved to be effective. However, the agreement was not designed to save conflict-affected communities around the world, which, for the most part, continue to suffer critical food shortages. Particularly, Russia has constantly criticized the agreement, alleging that the grain is not reaching countries that need it most. Indeed, contrary to popular perception, the majority of grain exports that were shipped out of Ukrainian black seaports didn't go to the poorest and neediest countries, but rather to Europe and Turkey. Over the past five months, more than 12.3 million tons of grain have been shipped from Ukraine, with 44% of it being corn rather than wheat. The main destinations of the cargoes were Spain, with 2.5 million tons, China, 2 million tons, Turkey, 1.9 million tons, Italy, 1.3 million tons, and the Netherlands, 898,000 tons. Most of the grain that had been held up in Ukrainian silos after February 24th was corn, not wheat, contracted by international companies, not necessarily to feed people, but, for example, to use as biofuel or animal fodder. Therefore, the agreement wasn't designed to immediately avert famine in countries like Yemen or Somalia, but rather to stabilize the market and contain prices, which in turn hurt countries' ability to purchase food. From the Ukrainian perspective, the agreement has positive implications. 
it allowed Ukraine to return to almost pre-war amounts of exports, increasing its share from 1 to 1.5 million tonnes to almost 4 million tonnes. In addition, the deal freed up some space for Ukraine to store the next harvest, which is expected to amount to 53 million tonnes, far exceeding domestic needs. The deal allows Ukrainian farmers to start planting crops for the next season. It also ensures that Ukraine's farming sector is not totally destroyed. Because of the war, Ukraine's farming industry has lost 50% of its 2021 gross output which has led to serious liquidity problems for farmers. The grain had to be moved out of storage silos to avert a storage crisis, and if the whole goal of the deal was to move grain out of Ukraine, then the treaty made it possible. According to Volodymyr Dubovik, the grain deal was targeted for multiple purposes. Renewing the trade process between Ukraine and the world, the prices going down, etc. So, the main purpose of it was achieved. When it comes to the obstacles ahead of uh, uh, European enlargement, but the important ones to bear in mind are uh, the type of, of unity that Europe has. We keep united on the front of Ukraine in terms of support, military support, and we will be united as long as it takes. But this is in the times of war. Now, the question is, how Europe will look at the enlargement and admission of Ukraine when there is no war or there is no hot conflict, if there will be at some point a ceasefire. And the divergence, we believe, according to our recent report, Foresight Study, War in the Future of Europe, there is a danger of divergence of polarization between some countries in the East and some countries in the West in terms of the further strategy of the European Union, including the enlargement. Point number two, there is a strong discussion in the European Union about the conditions that need to be made institutionally within the EU before EU is ready for next enlargement. These arguments are put forward by those who see that after Brexit, the EU needs reforming itself before we have further waves of enlargement because we became too many and too complex and too complicated in decision-making. Now, I might disagree with most of these arguments, but it's true that we might need to have an internal deal that is conditional, that is there is a trade-off between those who want some sort of institutional reform within the EU to be satisfied with concessions from those who want the enlargement to take place. So, for instance, this would be a more unified decision-making, a qualified majority voting in terms of decision-making when it comes to foreign policy, foreign and security policy. This is a difficult affair, dif difficult matter, but it might be that such a limited trade-off with some specific points could be raised and uh, would lift the barrier ahead of the enlargement. Said Volodymyr Dubovik. Radio Ukraine International invites listeners to Ukraine Global, a program offering insight into important developments in and around Ukraine and analyzing their global dimension in studio discussions with experts, government officials and public this figures. This edition of Ukraine Global is about the achievements in and prospects for Ukrainian grain export talks and, more broadly, the impact of the war in Ukraine on global trade. 
the war changed a lot in the world trade process. American economists say it's not the end of globalization, but global trade could reorganize into two or more distinct blocks. The first bloc would comprise the European Union, the United States and their allies, who have slapped sanctions on Russia and are aligned in isolating Russia. Those allies could include the UK and Japan. Another group may be countries that will seek to straddle both sides. There will be a bloc of nations like China and India that maintain trade with both the sanctioning allies and Russia. They could take more energy and resources from Russia but need to maintain good relations with the large economies in the first bloc, which account for a significant proportion of their export demand, said Martin Feldstein, an American economist. Trade routes by both land and sea and the volumes passing along them will be impacted, Feldstein added. Since the war started, shippers have avoided the Black Sea, where Russia's military activity has blocked commercial shipping. That has caused congestions in other ports in Europe, because shippers have had to change their routes. Volodymyr Dubovik believes in the future potential of the Ukraine grain deal. There is an ongoing discussion whether there should be uh, a jump enlargement, uh, having everyone on board, everyone who meets criteria, inc including Ukraine, in the future enlargement all at once, perhaps, or it should be step by step. And depending on, on how this will go, and should there be some um, unexpected trouble on the road, on the, on the roadmap that will be paved for the future enlargement, so that, for instance, the countries that from the Western Balkan area uh, would start joining and then the process would stop because of whatever trouble they may encounter. This would be a potential obstacle to the future membership of Ukraine. But I think we should not consider it too much because what is the most important thing is that the enlargement process for Ukraine has started. It needs to be uh, kept up and it needs to be taken um, realistically with a set of differentiated scenarios, different options for how it actually may uh, come into completion, how, how it can uh, be fulfilled. But it's without a doubt for me that Ukraine will uh, be an EU member state and it will bring enormous value to the future of the common European project. Said Volodymyr Dubovik. Any hope that the grain deal might serve as a basis for the slow build-up of a potential compromise between Russia and Ukraine and the West, however, has been dashed. Ukraine and Russia don't trust each other and are not ready to negotiate. Russia's attempt to abandon the deal demonstrated that Moscow doesn't see it as a trust-building measure, but rather is trying to instrumentalize it as a part of its war effort. Nor does Ukraine see the agreement as part of a potential peace process. President Zelensky insists that Russia leave all Ukrainian territory occupied since 2014, including Crimea, no matter whether there is a grain agreement in place or not. If the agreement is thought of as a means of stabilizing the Black Sea situation and localizing the war in Ukraine, then one could argue it has partially succeeded. Although Russia didn't stop its indiscriminate attacks against energy, military and civilian infrastructure in Ukraine's south, it did show restraint toward foreign ships, which started shipping grain out of Ukraine through the Turkey-supervised safe corridor. 
In some way, the agreement has contributed to the creation of certain rules, however temporary, and quote-unquote red lines in terms of safety and predictability for ships transiting the Black Sea. Finally, if the agreement was about strengthening Turkey's geopolitical leadership in the region, then it has definitely succeeded. Ankara boosted its diplomatic image by presenting the agreement as an achievement aiding food-dependent African and Asian countries. Moreover, Turkey cemented its role as a key mediator in the Russia-Ukraine war, capable of talking to both sides. President Erdogan, in particular, has been able to capitalize on the deal by placing Turkey at the heart of any potential follow-up agreements between Kyiv and Moscow. That was the weekly program Ukraine Global, prepared by Viktoria Krukova, presented by Vira Kravchenko and produced by Irina Samsonova.